Hello, my friends, and welcome back to Idle Chatter. I'm your host, Ray Bohax, the Hot Rod Farmer. And hopefully, God willing, the sound of my voice has everything going well for you, and you're probably either wrapping up your harvest by now or pretty deep into it, right? So depending upon the weather and how many acres you run is going to uh, predicate how you are going with your harvest. So hopefully, God willing, it is going well and that the yields and the quality of the crop is expecting is, is expecting is exceeding your expectations so that the lord has blessed you with that and for some reason it has not then uh, just have faith in the lord my favorite uh, verse of scripture is proverbs verse 3 uh proverbs 3 verse 5 excuse me and that is uh, trust in the lord with all of your heart and lean not on your own understanding so what I want to do is I just want to do a couple of housekeeping things here before we get in today's show, and I want to thank you so much for listening and for clicking in and for allowing me to spend this time with you, no matter where you may be. You may be in the tractor or the combine, you may be driving someplace, you may be in your farm shop listening, who knows, uh, all different places you can listen from, and I am grateful that you take me along with that task or with that journey whatever is going on so uh first thing i want to say to you is that if i'm get out of sync with the uh with people sending me pins in my map and announcing them on the show and also with the contest for the three books which if you don't know about i'm going to tell you about it in a minute is because i have to i'm going to be pulling the next few shows up until um almost till Christmas, uh, the next four weeks, I'm going to have to be pulling those shows ahead. And what that means is that I'm going to be doing them way in advance. They're, gonna, they're always pre-recorded per se, right? Because they're not done live. It's a podcast. But um, my person, Sue, who down in Georgia, who is my art director and who takes the shows and then posts them up on the website or internet, whatever you do with it, I honestly don't know. I'm totally naive to that and puts the um, and I write the text and give her the supportive image for for the show and uh, she posts that and puts that up. She's going to be going out of town on vacation with her husband for a couple of weeks. So that means that if I needed to uh I didn't want to miss doing any shows because I've never missed I've been blessed thank God I've never missed a episode of uh, creating an episode of Idle Chatter every week now for four years so that means i have to pull the shows ahead and uh and then she's able to post them and she could post them ahead of time and say okay post this show will air whatever the date is and then it'll download and air by itself so she's able to do that so the reason why i'm telling you that is that do not be dismayed because people are giving me pins in my map but if I'm and they say, geez, yo, I, I sent that that yo yo a pin in my ma- a pin. I sent them a pin to put in this map, and I wanted to get into that contest. And I want to, and I want to hopefully win those one of those books. And uh, he doesn't get, he doesn't even announce me. Well, that is why. So you will be announced. So please keep those pins in the map coming. Please keep those um, forms in there to win a hot rod farmer license plate, and also to potentially win a book. And then I will reveal all of that on the december 14th show 
So that is uh, when I and then I will reveal the winner of the book uh, on well maybe not the, the, the December twenty first show because the December fourteenth show I'm going to pull ahead also so the December twenty first show which is right before Christmas that I will reveal the winners in the book the win the three winners of the books and also I will thank whoever gave me a pin in my map and I will announce the winner. Uh, the subsequent winners of the Hot Rod Farmer license plate. So that is what that's all about. Because as you know, that I am a hundred percent upfront with you. That if I'm, you know, if we have, if we're pulling a show ahead or doing something, I'm not going to be uh, making up some kind of story or what have you. So that is that. So that's actually better because you're going to have until December 20, let's say a few days before this, let's say around December 18th or 19th to be able to keep entering the contest for the book and the hot rod formalizing plate and to bless me with a pin from where you listen from. But the three books that I'm giving away are two-cylinder John Deere tractors by Rod Beamer international harvester trucks the complete story by patrick foster and farm all the golden age 1924 to 1954 by lee clancher so all you need to do is send me an email you use that form for the license plate and you could just put on there you could put your name you don't have to put your address just put put in the book or put put it next to your name make a space and say jd book or ih book or far more book and then I will pull three winners, one for each book, and we will announce that around uh, just before Christmas. Okay, thank you so much for that. I greatly, greatly appreciate that, and I appreciate you uh, putting up with me here. And that slight delay. Uh, just wanted to bring you. <clears throat> I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna bore you with it, but I was able to uh, to uh, check the total harmonic distortion on my new generator well first of all my house the line the ac current coming from jcpnl and jcpnl stands for jersey central power and light it's a first energy company and they're very big out in the midwest so i know i think they're very big in ohio and then kentucky in that particular region maybe indiana but i'm not sure but anyway the power that they're sending to my house based upon total harmonic distortion which, as you know, because I've said to you before, it's the skewing of the sine wave, that the sine wave is, is, is uh, let's say, like somebody wrote it with shaky hands, so it's not, it's not smooth. And it's only between 2.3 and 2.7%. Most power companies say it'll be less than 5%. Well, they're way, they're 50% less than that, so it's about 23 2.4%, which is excellent from the power company. I did some preliminary testing with the new Generac GP8000E, which you guys have heard more about that than you care to. And uh, it is quite dirty. <laughs> it's a quite dirty little sucker. With no load on it, it is at between 4.2, I mean 4.4 and 6% THD, which is, which is acceptable. It's not an inverter generator. But once you put any a load on it, I made up a whole test protocol where I put i was loading it then i would load one leg then have the other leg with no load but like i said i'm not going to waste your time with that 
that you're probably sick of hearing it. If you are interested in knowing more, just reach out to me and I'll tell you that Hot Rod Farmer at FarmMachineryDigest.com. That's probably the fairer way for me to to do that instead of belaboring it to people who may not give it on. And then anyway, but with uh, less than 3,000 watts, which is the most I could muster uh, with the different electron heaters I had, is that... Uh, well, first of all, I checked the wattage on the heaters I uh, and did a wattage test on it. And the 1,500-watt heater is only 1,230 watts, so whatever. But just under 3,000 watts, like 2,000, say 3,000 feet arithmetic, it went all the way up to 14.3% harmonic distortion. And at 3,000 watts for, for using rounded numbers, that's that's not even a third of its of its surge output and its constant output is 8,000, so it's probably a pretty dirty, dirty signal uh, up there. I would not, I, I would assume that at one particular point it's going to straighten out uh, a little bit or stop climbing, but we'll see. I really need to have a, uh, <clears throat> to have a, a breakout cable that would go into the 220, um, the 240 uh, pins, and then I could put uh, four loads on it, two on one leg, two on the other leg, and I could really load, and I could load it up, but I, I don't, uh, James Condon has one of those breakout cables. So he's, the next thing I'm going to do is send the meter up to him, and he's going to start to do some testing on my Briggs, and then also on uh, a lot of the generators that he has there that he has working on and repaired so very interesting because and i'm going to use this as a segue into what we're talking about we're not talking about generators today so please i please you know uh i, I won't i will <laughs> i won't burden you with that again uh but even the generators that say they have a low thd like an inverter generator or some regular generators that say you have less than five percent thd or, or what have you but no one is telling you the load that they have on it. So if it is, is it less than 5% THD with no load, then mine qualifies because it would jump around between 4. Point, I think 4.2, 4.4, and would sometimes peak up to 6%, but usually for in the high 4s, low 5% range. So, you know, that's the whole thing that uh, I'm hoping to get to the bottom of this because so many people are investing in generators and I don't want you to take out your electronics on your farm or in your house or what have you uh, with a dirty, what I'm calling a dirty generator. So we'll see what we come up with and I will keep you apprised of the situation. But like I say, they don't, uh, the whole industry is, is really uh, Mickey Mouse as far as I'm concerned. So nobody's telling you excuse me what the uh, what really is going on and that's my segue into the show today of talking about diesel engines because i get a lot of questions i mean i shouldn't say get a lot of questions i have uh a lot of people from what i could glean from from communicating with with the listeners over the years readers and doing seminars is that people don't understand why a 500 horsepower diesel is a completely different animal i'll leave it at that than a 500 horsepower gasoline engine and you might say 500 horsepower gasoline engine well 
A 500-horsepower gasoline engine is very, very common today in new vehicles. You could take the the uh, new Mustang with the Coyote. That's a, just, I think, just a little bit over 500 or just shy of 500. Uh, Camaro, I mean, the Challenger. Every, I mean, 500-horsepower used to be like this this uh, pinnacle. Oh, my God, 30, 30 years ago? Well, 500 horsepower, you never had a production car that had 500 horsepower. And now you could buy SUVs with 600 horsepower. Granted, they're supercharged, but it makes no difference. And uh, 700 horsepower, because I think they get that new Cadillac, Blackwing, and then Dodge has the, uh, whatever you call it, the Durango with the uh, Challenger motors, or whatever, crazy numbers, crazy big numbers. So, So 500 horsepower today, in a production vehicle is like that's a that's a yawn number i mean back years ago it was like your head was spinning it was like a mercury rocket you know a saturn V rocket or something so but a lot of people don't understand why a 500 horsepower diesel even in a pickup truck is different than a 500 horsepower gas engine and why it works when i say works differently means it could do more work uh in one way but doesn't accelerate the vehicles fast and you're saying somebody in the the uh, if you were to apply conventional wisdom you'd say well 500 horsepower is 500 horsepower right no matter what well the thing is that so that's what we're going to touch on today and i'm also going to touch on why if you were to modify a gasoline engine and bring it up to the same level you'll use 500 horsepower and uh and i think ford has the new diesel in the pickup truck the high output uh, uh power stroke for 2023 that has over 500 horsepower and i think 1200 pounds feet of torque so it's quite a uh, quite an animal 30 years ago you couldn't get that in a semi in a freight line or a peterbilt or what have you now you get in a pickup truck so but i want to discuss also why if you were to modify a gasoline engine and to get that kind of power that it's usually not going to last like the diesel engine will last so that is what we're going to bring to light today and hopefully you enjoy it and i'm going to touch on the bullet points i'm not going to belabor it with you and as always if you have any questions any comments any any arguments just feel free to reach out to me at hot rod farmer at farmmachinerydigest.com and let it rip baby don't don't give me all barrels if you disagree with me that's fine so uh no problem whatsoever i really enjoy having an intellectual exchange with my audience so let's so now we're going to take two 500 horsepower engines one is a spark ignition engine and you could be whatever brand that you like whatever engine you like however it gets to the 500 horsepower is irrelevant all right and uh we're going to take a 500 horsepower diesel and that's going to then again be any brand that you like any displacement that you want what have you right because it's going to be all moot as we go on so we got 500 and 500 so basically if you have a pound of sugar in the left hand and you have a pound of coffee in the other hand right well both are a pound one may have more volume one may uh but they're both a pound if you put them on a scale they would both weigh, weigh 16 ounces they're both a pound so why is it so much different within the diesel spark ignition community so first of all 
let's back up and recognize that a dynamometer that is used to measure power on an engine and you've heard this before actually does not read horsepower it reads torque torque is the amount of work an engine could do and then horsepower is how quickly it can do it and that's very paramount that's key to one of the keys to this discussion so the dynamometer mathematically converts horsepower i mean torque to horsepower <coughs> and and the uh and that is the brainchild of james watt from a couple of hundred years ago who was trying to sell steam engines the same watt he was an inventor he was a a very forward-thinking person that you that quantified the the brightness or the entry at the brightness that's the energy uh usage of a light bulb so people say well it's a hundred watt bulb so that and and we've and we've come empirically to learn well a hundred watt bulb is brighter than a fifty watt bulb, all right. But that's because there's more energy passing through the filament. So it's not a measure of wattage on a light bulb is not a measure of its brightness. It's a quasi measure of its brightness based upon the amount of energy that it is using, and that's why they have these new bulbs. <clears throat> excuse me not compact fluorescence i forgot what they even call them i'm just gonna put the drags trying to get a drink of water for a second <coughs> thank you and they they say so it'll be some kind of crazy number and i'll say 37 watts and then it says equivalent to uh, 75 watt incandescent bulb because wattage is is a power consumption and if you look at ohm's law volts times amps equals watts so it's it's nowhere is it a <coughs> measure of brightness or illuminosity excuse me <coughs> excuse me and uh but it kind of got to be a metric for it because of uh it using more energy so it seems so it is brighter so now james watt getting back to him so he developed this this equation i'm not going to burden you with the equation but a dynamometer reads torque and then it converts it to horsepower so torque is the amount of work an engine can do and a ho- and horsepower is how quickly it can co- how quickly it can accomplish that work so if it's going to be how quickly it can accomplish then an engine needs to have rpm needs to have crankshaft speed to make horsepower it needs to have cylinder pressure to make torque so cylinder pressure which is not to be confused with compression ratio or compression pressure we're taking a compression test is the force that is exerted against the piston working pushing the crankshaft down with during combustion so that is cylinder pressure so you need cylinder pressure to make torque and you need rpm or crankshaft speed to make horsepower so the high the the higher the crankshaft speed if the torque could remain constant then so basically looking at it in simplistic terms you say okay the torque remains constant that's the amount of work that could be done all right but the higher the crankshaft speed then you could then that work could be accomplished quicker so if you have one person and they're picking up 50 pound bags of seed and they're putting into a pickup truck and this guy's struggling to carry the seed and it takes him five minutes to carry the bag and put it in the back of the pickup truck he gets it there 
So that's his torque. He's got 50 pounds of torque. But now if the other person could pick up the bag of seed, carry it over, put it to the truck, and then instead of five minutes, it takes him 30 seconds, well, he's still got the same amount of torque, 50 pounds, but he has more horsepower because it's only taking him 30 seconds to pick up the bag off the skid off the pallet and load it in the back of the pickup truck and then go back and get another one so he could do more work all right, he can't lift anymore, but he could do more work in a, a shorter amount of time. So he has more horsepower, but they both have the same amount of torque. Now, why is that important? Because a diesel engine has a very slow flame speed the flame speed the combustion speed of a diesel engine as the flame expands and what to use the word propagate across the bore is very slow compared to gasoline now the mo the mod so that is why a diesel engine does not rpm as much and the second thing basically is that uh, the diesel fuel burns slower than gasoline so you could say hey hot rod you don't know what you're talking about because you know, we've gone to the tractor poles and the truck poles, and these guys are spinning these diesels six, seven thousand RPM. Well, there's a lot of things that they're doing to it. They're putting, uh, first of all, a ton of boost pressure, 150 pounds of boost, or maybe more, or close to it. They're putting nitrous in it. They're doing, uh, they're doing a whole bunch of things uh, to to increase that that burn speed and that flame speed so we're talking about a a, a production or quasi maybe a, a, a two a, a tweaked engine but we're, we're talking about right diesel fuel that you go to the pump and buy and gasoline that you go to the pump and buy we're not talking about about nitromethane in the, in, a, in a gasoline engine a spark ignition engine and all these other hybrid and and mixtures of of different chemical compositions that they go in that they put into these diesel engines that are spinning high rpm so so a diesel engine does not rpm because the flame speed is very slow and part of the reason why the flame speed is slow is i shouldn't say part predominantly because the the burning diesel fuel burns very slowly in relative terms and then the the metric or the measuring stick that is used on either type of engine for flame speed is meters per second so how many meters per second the flame is traveling at and obviously there's not a board that's a meter long which is about a yardstick right but also that doesn't that doesn't make any difference because it's the it's the rate it's the rate of speed that it's going across the just like you take a drag race right it's only 1320 feet a quarter mile and you say well the car is going 200 miles per hour well it's only going a quarter of a mile but the rate that it's traveling that quarter mile would be equivalent to going 200 miles per hour over uh, so over the course of a mile it's going actually 200 miles an hour but it's not traveling that distance not traveling a mile it's traveling a quarter of a mile right so now what happens is that the diesel engine if we think back to james watt's equation so you put these two engines on a dynamometer you have a gasoline engine making 500 horsepower and you have a diesel engine making 500 horsepower since the dynamometer reads watt torque and you need rpm to make horsepower what you will find is that the gasoline engine all right will still make the torque equivalent of 500 horsepower but it will do it at a higher rpm so 
So the equation that James Watt has to create to convert horse torque to horsepower, excuse me, is is horsepower equals torque times RPM. So the engine speed that that peak that torque value was achieved at divided by fifty two fifty two, and that is why on every engine, no matter what it is, at five thousand two hundred fifty two RPM, that the horsepower and the torque are equal regardless all right because the numerator and the denominator of the equation are one so if it's 500 foot pounds of 500 horse 500 foot pounds of torque at 5252 rpm divided by 5252 rpm then the 5252 becomes basic math becomes one so 500 times one is 500 all right or whatever the number is so keep in mind that if you have the torque and the rpm you could very easily calculate the horsepower and if you reverse the equation if you have the horsepower and the rpm you could very easily calculate the torque because all the 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 dynamometer is doing is it uh, it takes that reading through a strain gauge so you have to first establish that reading but the mathematical conversion from torque to horsepower is nothing more than that and you could do that on your desk with as long as you had those two set points all right so now what's basically going to happen is that the diesel engine that has 500 horsepower is going to be making a substantially greater amount of torque and why is it so how can i say that well how can i say i mean you know that may seem like a ridiculous statement but it's not because horsepower is how fast the work can be done the torque is how much work it could do so if you are basically in essence going and having an engine that has peak horsepower let's say at 2000 rpm versus peak horsepower uh, or excuse me peak torque but at 2000 rpm versus peak torque at 4000 rpm then mathematically the engine that has peak torque at 4000 rpm is going to have the same horsepower but it's going to be at a much higher crankshaft speed so in essence the diesel engine because part of the equation is how fast the work could be done so that is why a 500 horsepower diesel has substantially more torque than a 500 horsepower gasoline engine and thus can accomplish so much more work you could take a 500 horsepower gasoline engine and put it in a farm tractor let's say like a case steiger all right because they'll they'll put on the hood the the decal which which engine package you have in it right so so if you have a case steiger and it says 500 it's 500 horsepower you say how the heck with that i'm gonna pull it out and i'm gonna put the put a ford coyote motor it's got 500 horsepower well that tractor is gonna have have maybe one quarter of the torque because the 500 it'll have the 500 horsepower with the coyote in it but that 500 horsepower is nowhere near going to produce that level of torque because the rpm the engine speed that it needs to accomplish that is so much higher than the diesel and that is why the diesel engines have that grunt and that is why if you were to buy let's say a ford ecoboost pickup truck and using them as an example because they have a gasoline engine spark ignition that makes 450 horsepower 
horsepower, and they have a diesel, the power stroke that makes 450 horsepower. Forgetting about the transmission and the gear ratio, just keeping everything a constant, you are not going to be able to do this, pull the same weight with the 500 horsepower EcoBoost as you would the 500 horsepower diesel because that 500 horsepower diesel has that torque in by, let's say, 1,800 RPM, where the gas motor has it in by 4,500 RPM. So it is going to, the diesel is going to be able to do so much more work because it is so much more powerful, has more area under the curve than the gasoline engine does. But if you were to now going at high RPM and you were up near the 2000, let's say, whatever, we'll say 2500 RPM on the diesel and 5000 RPM on the gas engine, and the gas engine spins to 6000 RPM on the highway the gas engine would walk away from it because it's still coming up to peak horsepower where the diesel saw peak horsepower 3000 or 2000 rpm below that so the whole idea is it's uh, it's basically raising soybeans and raising corn all right so you this, the population of soybeans maybe 140,000 per acre the population of corn 30 to 40,000 per acre all right so the big big difference there now the other thing that you need to keep in mind is that the fueling characteristics of diesel are different than gasoline because the diesel the diesel injection system after the after the combustion is initiated keeps spraying for certain degrees of crank rotation keeps administering fuel and and basically in essence feeding the fire where a gasoline engine, it puts the fuel and air mixture in, it closes the valve, the injector shuts off, and it then has combustion initiated by the spark plug. So the diesel, when the, when the combustion event, and I'm going to say the flame, when the combustion event starts, what happened for a short while after that, it's still feeding the fuel into that combustion event and raising the cylinder pressure, whereas a gasoline engine does not do that. It gives it gives a shot, and then, okay, let's have combustion now. All right, so the thing is that, so that also is going to give the diesel a substantial torque rise over a gasoline engine, but but then again, you still can't get past the dynamics of the slow burn rate. So in essence, that is that is an issue. Now, some people say, well, the components are heavier on a diesel, and that is why they don't RPM. Well, that's... <laughs> i'm gonna say i'm not gonna say it's incorrect but that's truly not it's it's a very small faction of it the reason why the components are heavier duty say well you could look at it will take a 500 horsepower coyote motor ford motor from mustang because it's right there all right meaning right there it's right at the 500 horsepower so if you take a piston and a connecting rod and a crankshaft from a from a 500 horsepower gasoline engine and look at it in a diesel yes the diesel stuff is going to be so much hot so much heavier duty so much thicker so much more mass and people say oh they want they did that because they want it to last a million miles well it's actually you're putting the cart and the horse the wrong way they did that because of the cylinder pressure 
Because remember, getting back to James Watt's equation is that you need to have the cylinder pressure to make torque. You need RPM to make horsepower. So the cylinder pressure is so much greater uh, on the diesel engine than it is on the gasoline engine because it does not have the engine speed, the crankshaft speed to pump the air and to make horsepower. And that is the, it's back to James Watt's mathematical equation. Right. So that is why they're heavier because the horsepower. So basically, in essence, it's like hitting a stuck bolt or something with a small hammer or with a sledgehammer or with a dead blow hammer. Right. You hit it with a small hammer. Well, maybe if you stand there a hundred years and keep pounding it, you could break whatever it is, the bracket or whatever it is loose. You could hit it with a sledge. You could hit it with a, a ball peen hammer and that's got heavier head. Right. All right. So you're swinging, you're hitting that, and it's going to give it more mass. You could hit it, or you you could hit it with a sledgehammer. All right, so the thing basically is, is that you're hitting it, so the cylinder pressure rises so much quicker and so much higher on the diesel than than on the gasoline engine that you uh, have to make the components heavier. Now, with the with the moment of inertia be longer with the diesel engine because of the heavier components yes all right but if you arguably let's say if you made a piston out of titanium using that as an example because it's a very strong material and lightweight make the connecting rod out of titanium then you would not need that extra mass so they're putting that extra mass in because of the cylinder pressure and wanting it to last whereas on a spark ignition engine you don't need that mass because the engine is going to not make that same cylinder pressure at low speed it's going to use a combination of cylinder pressure and a crankshaft speed rpm to make 500 horsepower whereas on the diesel we're saying we don't have crankshaft speed we don't have a lot of rpm so basically we're going to overcompensate with a lot of cylinder pressure now keep in mind also that when you get back to the slow burn rate of a diesel engine is that as the piston starts to to travel down towards bottom dead center from on any engine gasoline or diesel what happens to the volume in the bore the volume in the bore increases right because the volume in the bore is the smallest on any engine when the piston is the top dead center so since the diesel fuel burns slower then gasoline where gasoline is um, gonna be ridiculous like a bullet shooting up it's gone right the piston is going down since it's burning slower all right what's basically happening is you're keeping the combustion region all right you're not allowing the combustion region to expand as quickly in degrees of crankshaft rotation we're not looking when you look at all the stuff on an engine you're not looking so much at time you'll have degrees of crankshaft rotation is what you're measuring and it's the flame speed across the bore is measured in time but then there's also a metric of looking at the crankshaft rotation so as the crankshaft starts to turn and the piston is going down towards bottom dead center the air the volume in the bore is increasing from the crown of the piston to the to the uh combustion chamber or the deck of the cylinder head so if we're keeping that that region smaller 
uh, longer because you have a slow burn rate. So it's like a turtle coming across the road. So now we got this pressure and we keep spraying fuel in there. So this pressure is increasing, increasing, increasing. Yeah, the piston is moving down towards bottom dead center and the volume in the bore is increasing. But but it's increasing at a slower rate so we are now using that as an additional benefit to to raise cylinder pressure and that cylinder pressure is working against that piston which in turn is being converted to the to the crankshaft and then also to the flywheel or flex plate whatever the engine has so that chemical to mechanical energy conversion is also being aided despite itself by the slow burn rate because of the area the volume actually it's, i shouldn't like area and volume of the bore is staying smaller longer all right now the other thing that comes into play is that so you have this pickup truck right and you have and you're going to have a 500 horsepower gas engine and you have a 500 horsepower diesel right because of the cylinder pressure we were talking about the mass of the components <clears throat> if you were to look at the surface area of the main and crankshaft bearings on any diesel engine versus the surface area of the main and crankshaft bearings on a spark ignition engine a gasoline engine there are so the diesel engine has so much surf more surface area I'm not talking about the, the mass of the journal, but the surface area of the bearing. If you were to go, let's say, to a Caterpillar dealer, Detroit Diesel dealer, whatever you want to go to, right? and you pick out from the catalog of approximately 500 horsepower engine, and you say, I want to set a, I want to, I want to see a rod bearing and a crank, a rod bearing and a main bearing for that engine. Or they went to a class or something, and they showed you and hit it. And you go to the Ford dealer or the Chevy dealer. I want a five hundred or six hundred horsepower gas. I want to show me a bearing for that. The bearing area and the size of the bearing, but but specifically talking about the area, the size of the area of the gasoline engine is going to be so much less the bearing area, and thus if the bearing area is less then the journal on the crankshaft is going to be less for both the connecting rod and the main bearing. So what are they doing on a diesel? They're making a much bigger bearing. I'm saying bigger as far as the area is concerned so that you could take this, and it's no different than soil compaction, right? If you're riding, if you have really wide tires or you have those, uh, you know, uh, flotation tires or if or vf tires or you have tracks the tractor weighs the same the combine weighs the same the grain cart weighs the same but if you're putting it out over a bigger area the pressure and i'll say per square inch is much less it's just like a woman wearing high heels versus versus a woman wearing flats all right a woman wearing high heels her body didn't get any heavier she still weighs the same, but all of that that weight, the mass of her body, is is actually concentrated like a laser beam on the little area of the heel. All right, so so that's why 
that once you'll poke through something with that high heel and wear out the carpet in the car or what have you, or if there's a, 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 a well, you shouldn't have rotted planking, but, but you know, she could push right through that, whereas you have somebody with sneakers on, the same woman with sneakers on, or with flat shoes, flat being the soles, right, is that she goes over the same, walks over the same area and doesn't, and doesn't impact it. So just like a tractor with tracks or a combine or a grain car with tracks versus with tires, if you put very skinny tires on your tractor, forgetting about the traction component of it, all right, you're putting that same mass. So what's going? So what's basically happening is on a diesel engine, they're spreading out the bearing area so that they could take all of that cylinder pressure, and then it would be like you riding on your field with a track machine with track with rubber tracks where you're not compacting the soil so they're not putting the stress on that that crankshaft that crankshaft journal the raw journal because it's being spread out because it has more bearing area and that is why you could go and take a gasoline engine and a and a production gasoline engine all right uh, we'll, 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 let's stick with that because that's why i started with 500 horsepower excuse me is yes it may not have a much of a much more bearing area so if, so if you got a coyote engine in a mustang with 500 horsepower versus a coyote based engine in a f-150 pickup truck i would i would bet almost my last dollar it has the same bearing area in it right but keep in mind that a diesel engine is it's recognized that a diesel engine is going to be building that cylinder pressure keep more maintaining that high level of cylinder pressure for the majority of its life so because it's going to work so if you have that engine in a semi if you have that engine in a combine or a farm tractor so let's say you have it in a combine and you're going out to harvest all right so and you're harvesting uh whatever eight or ten hours a day and arguably so you're never stopping right so the thing is that you're though and let's say that engine is making three it's a 500 horsepower engine but it's making 400 horsepower not it's not making all of its power all right because the load you have on it doesn't doesn't demand 500 horsepower but you are having that high cylinder pressure all day long for 10 hours a day versus you have a the a 500 horsepower engine in a pickup truck you could be going down the highway 90 miles an hour in this pickup truck and maybe that engine is only producing 100 horsepower because that's all the horsepower it needs to uh to get that vehicle to go 100 miles an hour right and maybe you're going up a hill now so now it needs 150 horsepower to go 90 miles an hour up this hill but the diesel is going and and creating that cylinder pressure because you're putting it on just like an engine on an irrigation pump all right you're loading that engine and you're keeping that cylinder pressure constant for eight nine ten twelve maybe on the irrigation pump maybe 36 hours i mean who knows it depends how it's fueled and what you're doing with it but the so a diesel engine is also has that wide bearing pressure because it's with the wide bearing pressure wide bearing surface area and all of that i'm going to say mass and area because it's going to be no they know that that engine is going to be producing a high level of cylinder pressure 
for an extended period of time in engineering we call that a duty cycle that it's going to be so you're going to go out in the field the guy's going to have a semi and he's pulling this this eighty thousand pounds with the trailer all right and yeah well maybe his load is going to be transient the load on a a farm tractor or a combine is not really transient it kind of stays within a very small window of where it is for the length of time that it's working i mean that you have that duty cycle say well i'm gonna take me two hours to to plant this sex this this small field so it's gonna more or less stay like that for two hours Whereas you could have a a a a diesel engine that same diesel engine out of that combine and put in a tractor trailer and the speed is going to be more transient because when when he goes to climb a hill may need 400 horsepower when he goes down the hill he only needs to make 100 horsepower and when he's on a flat he needs to make 300 horsepower i'm making up arbitrary numbers and that is why if you were to take like a locomotive diesel or a marine diesel right that yes it's it's going to have some level of transient but the fact of the matter it's going to maintain that cylinder pressure for a much longer period of time than a road vehicle usually would now if you have a semi and you're doing heavy hauling all right then that's a different situation where you're maintaining that cylinder pressure maybe not the full cylinder pressure because you're going to be going down the hill or what have you or slowing down speed in the 35 miles per hour through town 55 on the highway whatever making up numbers once again and the fact of the matter is but you're maintaining that cylinder pressure so on a road vehicle this the the load on the engine and thus the cylinder pressure because the cylinder pressure is a hundred percent it's intrinsically linked to the load the more load you have the higher the cylinder pressure has to be to have that chemical to mechanical energy conversion so that's why you have some young guy now you could take let's say a pickup truck diesel and he's going to turn the wick up on it so let's say arguably that that he's got uh, that that vehicle has 500 horsepower from the factory we'll stick with that and now he does a bunch of stuff to it a bigger turbo does a calibration change the fuel system and now it's making a thousand horsepower but that bearing area bearing area the mass of the piston the, the all of those parts are designed more or less around 500 horsepower the cylinder pressure and the heat the btu rejection specifically in the uh crown of the piston is based upon 500 horsepower the water jackets in the block are based upon 500 horsepower so what does the water jacket have to do it well the water jacket all right is where the coolant removes the heat from the cylinder head and the highest the hardest part of the the hardest job the coolant has is to remove the heat around the combustion chamber and specifically the exhaust valve now you have to remember an engine is a heat pump all right so if you look at a a farm tractor it's a semi it's got a lot more coolant than than a diesel pickup truck right and the thing is that if you were to uh so why because they need to put more coolant through it the water passages need to be bigger because we need to be able to remove that heat so i'm not saying that you're going to modify a pickup truck and you're going to blow it up all right but the fact of the matter is is that you have to realize that even though you're making more power 
and the power is real, it's not going to, uh, all the other areas are going to be pushed to their extreme of their engineering and their limits because of that. And if you look back even years ago, I'll be, we're, not, we're talking about gasoline now, is that back in the 50s and then the 60s and by the 70s, it kind of disappeared. But the, the, the auto companies, uh, all three of them, AMC didn't get involved with that, but Chrysler, Ford, and General Motors built over-the-road semis. And then they had a very large 632-inch gasoline engines in them, all right? So they had very, very large gasoline engines. And even in more modern times, then there was a, uh, a listener to the show, uh, Dale, and he had a problem with a, uh, he has a, uh, what do you call it, a, uh, a GMC truck with, um, I think, a 75, 65, maybe it was a 75, it was a medium-duty truck, and it had the 366 gas engine. And so when you look at a 366 gas or you look at an old 390 Ford engine that was in a, in a, in a Class A truck, that didn't look anything like a 390 in a Thunderbird, all right? But in more modern times, using this 366 gas, you say, well, it's only 16, 16 cubic inches bigger than the 350 in a Caprice. Well, that's a whole different engine. It has nothing to do with it whatsoever because the mass of that 366, because you have to remember it's the bore and stroke that decides the cubic inches, the displacement. But the mass of that, that 366 crank, the bearing area, the connecting rods, what have you, the mass was meant to withstand the constant higher cylinder pressure, even though it's gasoline. But but the engineers knew if you put this engine in a box truck or a, or a delivery truck, it's always going to be loaded and very heavy, and the truck itself is heavy unloaded, that this engine is always going to have to be building a lot of cylinder pressure. It's not a, it's, it's not a drag race motor, but it's got to be building a lot of cylinder pressure for long duty cycles. And all of the and, and all of the materials and the size of the bearing area and everything is based upon that high cylinder pressure and long long duty cycles. So if you were to look at it now and have the specifications in front of me, but using that 366 gas versus a 427 or 45, I think that, that, I don't know if they had a 427. They used to, it may have been a 454 gas, but I don't remember anymore. Uh, I think it was a 427. Is that in lots of ways, if the bearing area, if the crankshaft was the same, the connecting rod was the same, and the piston design was the same, other than the bore, the size of the piston, the 366 was a better motor if that was all the same amount of the specs in front of me because you had the same mass that was going to support 60 or 70, 100 horsepower more, but but the cylinder pressure of 100 horsepower. So I want you to recognize from this show is that it's the cylinder pressure that's going to be the issue and it's the cylinder pressure that's going to make the power all right and allow it to do work which we call as torque it's the rpm that's going to give you the horsepower and the cylinder pressure is going to give you the work the torque all right so the cylinder pressure is the key and that is what we're really talking about if you were to talk to an engine and an engine development 
person who an, an engineer who works in engine development they talk about imep indicated mean effective pressure they talk about bmep brake mean effective pressure they don't talk about horsepower or torque they talk about cylinder pressure and then what they also do is they take take it even further and they look at the amount of cylinder pressure the engine is creating based upon their design the flow of the cylinder head the camshaft if it's forced induction turbocharged with the tur- so collectively all together and they compare it per piston area because then this way if you compare the cylinder pressure per piston area so that that then again basically is that if you were to take woman a and she weighs 100 pounds and you put the same high heel on her or put a high heel on her she's going to have so much pressure on that heel if you take if she gains 20 pounds and now she's 120 pounds and she gain and she go wears that same high heel that you're going to that high heel is going to have more pressure on it that little that because she weighs 20 pounds more so by looking at the pressure per piston unit area the engineers can 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 compare the efficiency of the engine as far as its ability to produce cylinder pressure and thus torque and then in turn horsepower with rpm over a whole range of engines so if you look at cylinder pressure you could compare an engine on a lawnmower cylinder pressure per area an engine on a lawnmower to an engine in a locomotive all right will the data skew slightly well it's going to skew slightly but not that much because you're saying well how much pressure do we have per area of piston and that is why when you look at a diesel engine that it's going to have a very big piston right it's going to be very big so it's going to have that's not going to have a high heel it's going to have maybe a wedge heel so it's spread out more not a wedge combustion chamber but a woman's shoe with a wedge it's that a woman's shoe is a wonderful wonderful example to teach this and i used to teach when i used to teach this to in the trades i used to you always use that example all right so the thing is that you're going to spread this all out so it's very 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 important so you could compare the efficiencies of different engines based upon what their cylinder pressure is so if you had a small little engine on a seat tender and let's say arguably i'm throwing false numbers it makes 10 pounds per square inch on the piston and the piston's only an inch wide and you take an engine that's got a five inch bore or an inch wide inch uh, inch bore five inch bore and it makes the same 10 pounds per square inch well you have more area of that piston so that engine is going to be more powerful but it's not more powerful per square inch or whatever the metric they're using today <clears throat> of piston area so that is something and if you uh i'm going to just take another drink for a second here so that is why as consumers we look oh man that tractor's got 650 horsepower that pickup truck has 500 horsepower that mustang's got 500 horsepower and no denying it and if you're a true engineer you're going to say wow that thing is sweet it's got that 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 tractor's got 650 horsepower that's sweet but if you are designing something and creating and you really want to compare it all right then you are looking at the cylinder pressure created per area of the piston whatever the area whatever metric you're metric you're using whether 
you know, whatever standard you're using, whatever scale you're using, but that's the true indicator. So you could actually look at that arguably, and I'm, I'm making this up, and saying, well, you know, that the that the engine on my seed tender is more efficient as far as that is concerned, creating pressure per piston area than, than the engine in my pickup truck, all right, just that my engine in my pickup truck's a lot bigger and has has boost on it but an a application and has more area so there's more there's more of it there but the pressure per let's say square inch is less than in my on my lawnmower engine which i'm being ridiculous all right that is not the case but you have to you have to look at that all right well you don't have to look at that as an engineer you're looking at so if you get a bunch of these guys around and the engine development guys they're talking about that oh man you're making that bmep wow that's fantastic because they know so and and what we would look at it as as car people or car guys or hot rod farmers you'd look at it horsepower per cubic inch all right but but cubic inch really is is the, the displacement as i said is a, is an equation of the bore and the stroke and the number of cylinders but if you but if you said man that thing's making one horsepower per cubic inch that's fantastic so if you had a 350 chevy one horsepower per cubic inch is what 350 horsepower you had a, a 500 cubic inch engine is one horsepower per cubic inch is 500 horsepower so ultimately the engine is more powerful but but powerful but its conversion rate the chemical to mechanical energy conversion is known better than the 350 that's making 350 horsepower so if you had a thousand cubic inch engine and made a thousand horsepower well then basically in essence it's no more it's not any better yeah it's got more of it right just like you could have a hundred dollars in your pocket or you could have ten hundred dollar bills or you could have a thousand hundred dollar bills well the amount of money in your pocket is going to vary but the value of each bill is the same so if you have ten hundred dollar bills in your pocket you're going you have a thousand dollars if i have one hundred dollar bill in my pocket all right then i only have a hundred dollars so if we go to a restaurant and i buy you lunch then it's fifty dollars and i give the girl my one hundred dollar bill i get fifty dollars change if you go and give her a hundred dollar bill you still get fifty dollars change yeah you're richer you have more money in your pocket but the value of a hundred dollars is still a value of a hundred dollars and that's why engineers look at the uh cylinder pressure per area of the piston as the true because then they know if they can maintain that they could compare engines of all different sizes and displacements and designs because ultimately it's a it's going to be a definition of its or it's going to represent its efficiencies all right so because it all comes together with its efficiency so as you get ready to close over here the thing is that you know i'm gonna i'm gonna close not like i started but I'm going to say to you, so if if you if you're planting soybeans and your population is 140,000 seeds per acre, and you're also planting corn in another field, and your population will say is 40,000 per acre, you have to recognize that soybeans is a different crop. Soybeans is planted at a different rate and grows differently. You can't plant corn at 140,000 seeds per acre 
and you can't pl- and, and you can't plant soybeans at 40,000 seeds per acre and expect to get some sort of yield. So that is the comparison that I'd like to end with with a diesel engine versus a gasoline engine. So the diesel engine, all right, has a lot of cylinder pressure, has a slower burn speed, and that slow burn speed and that high cylinder pressure is its nemesis, not when you get in the field to go work it, but because of the oxides of nitrogen that it produces because, as I said many times on the show, it's the Zeldovich equation, which which is pressure, heat, and exposure or residence time because the slow burn rate, the high cylinder pressure, all right, which in turn makes high heat, right? The thing is that that is is a perfect recipe. It's a perfect storm, using that phrase, a perfect storm of events to create high oxides of nitrogen gasoline which is why you have the scr system and that's why so you know the 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 globalists have their eye on the diesel engine because of the oxides of nitrogen production and the particulate which we would call soot you say i don't see any soot anymore yes you don't see it anymore but there are these little particulates but also the dirty little secret is gasoline engines have particulates and and some of the gasoline engines in europe now have particulate filters so the thing basically is but the what what is the benefits to us as farmers as truckers as people who who work and have an engine do work for us not drive us to the mall the benefit of the diesel engine is also its bane because that high cylinder pressure and the, the slow burn rate of the fuel and the, the crude composition of the fuel and basically it's less refined than gasoline is or creates high oxides of nitrogen emissions and particulate emissions which is what the world has decided is a problem right so we're going to leave it at that okay but but they don't look at the whole total picture because the engine is more fuel efficient it runs better all right they they last longer because of they last longer because of their mass all right so you know before i'm just i just got to say this before i close and you know as a christian and i've said this before on the show as a follower of christ I love God's creation. I want to honor God's creation, whether it's whether it's animals, whether it's plants, whether it's the forest, whether it's the water, because God gave us the stewardship of his creation. And when you have stewardship of something, you are held responsible, you're held accountable, all right? So I want to be like probably 99% of those listening to this podcast want to be the best stewards of God's creation. And always, you know, people think, well, the farmer doesn't care. The farmer's living on that land. His kids are playing in that land. He's drinking the water from that land. They think that they that he wants to pollute it. The farmer, the rancher, is a steward of the land, the steward of the earth, all right? That's the best guy to take care of the land, not some guy from the city, who's throwing garbage out the window and dumping oil from his lawnmower in the backyard. So anyway, but the fact of the matter is, is that, you know, and I don't want to get on my high horse here, but it just goes to show you that these people, whoever these people are, I don't know who they are, have this agenda, 
all right about everything they're coming after diesel engines all right and they're saying oh they're polluters there's gonna have electric cars coming after gasoline engines but they don't make any connection all right where the gasoline is where the electricity is come from or that yes a diesel engine may have some particulates but we've cleaned it up so much it's unbelievable you could practically put your mouth on a tailpipe of a of a kenworth and breathe it not have any issues all right so the thing basically is we cleaned it up to such a level all right but the fact of the the fact of the matter is they don't look at the whole total picture well if a diesel engine uses less fuel then there's less energy there's less pollution created through the the, the drilling or the mining or the refining of fuel right but you know look at this stuff you buy today in a store and and I'm, I'm segueing into that getting away from diesel engines it's junk j-u-n-k my wife and i have not been married that long we got married later in life when we got married in 1999 we bought a microwave oven all right for our new house we were blessed to have a new house all right charlotte bought a microwave it was made in usa that thing lasted well for me the what basically happened is the latch broke but as far as the electronics and everything is concerned and the latch stuck and you had to you couldn't open it easily so i kept the little screwdriver in the drawer just pop it open which is this is terrible somebody coming to the house you open it. so anyway so subsequently to maintain marital bliss we threw that one out heating was beautiful even everything right i think we've gone through 10 microwaves since then so the point that i'm trying to say to you we had one microwave forget about the latch all right the one microwave now we got 10 microwaves that that came from china instead of usa so it was shipped so much further a lot more pollution a lot more fuel used we have 10 microwaves and 10 boxes that were made 10 shipment to the to the store 10 microwaves going into the landfill versus one microwave going into the landfill so if you really if they really and now they're starting to say stuff with environmental you say this guy's nuts meaning me because you talk about diesel engines and now you're talking about cows well you know this the, the, the world today or some people in the world are so crazy about gmo we can't have gmo we can't have this we can't have that bah, 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 bah. mexico's saying that they don't want to have any buy any corn from us because that's a in my in my opinion and i'm saying opinion that's a political move that's what that basically is because if you go to mexico and i'm not saying i'm not nothing against the mexican people but their environmental laws forget about it okay okay and i'm sure that there's beautiful areas of mexico and that's one of the reasons why the companies like to move to mexico is because they could they could pollute to a higher degree than they can in in united states or canada all right so the thing is that so here you know so many people are worried about gmo crops and everything and what have you and and they now want to come after cows all right because the the cows are passing wind and belching and 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 and, and passing wind and making methane gas 
<laughs> so now some yo-yo, and I'm going to use the word yo-yo, has come up with something that they wanted some kind of, I don't know, pill, medication, chemical, whatever. Ultimately, it's a chemical, whether it comes in pill form or however it gets into the poor cow. And they want to give them the, to either negate or do something with the methane gas, and they're trying it in Europe. So basically, in essence, you're worried about GMO crops in Europe. You're worried about GMO corn. You're worried about all of this. You're worried about glyphosate. But right you're going to throw out make junk and throw it in the landfills now you're going to give the poor cow something all right god knows what it's going to do to the cow god knows what it's going to do to the milk and i'll tell you as i get ready to close because i'm going too far off on a tangent is that anything that god made is wonderful all right so if the if god made the cow to belch then he then he has a plan for that belched gas if we mess up that plan, all right, and he allows us to mess that plan up, all right, because he gives us our free will to a certain extent, we can't undo his ultimate plan, but he we could we could he gives us our own rope to hang ourselves metaphorically, then there's nothing that God made that's bad. Nothing whatsoever. It's we turn it to bad not god so they're worried about gmo crops but now they're going to give some kind of chemical to a cow and then they can say well don't drink milk because the milk we found out it's absolutely insane and it's insane because these people have agendas and they have nothing to do with what in there and whatever they're claiming they're trying to solve and do this and do that is just a trojan horse so so let me get back on track here the thing is that that is the difference between a diesel engine and a gasoline engine and why a 500 horsepower gasoline engine can nowhere near do the work the level of work that a 500 horsepower diesel engine can so it's like planting corn or soybeans soybeans takes air and takes nitrogen out of the air and puts it in the soil corn takes nitrogen from the soil and puts it in the air population is different nutrition is different the way it grows is different yet does it grow in the ground so that is the difference between gasoline and diesel and that is why the diesel engine is a wonderful wonderful fit for farming for agriculture for trucking for locomotives for for shipping for 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 tow boats for all these different applications by nature of what it is it's dna so you have a blessed day and i want to thank you so much for listening to my ramblings and i'll catch you next week bye bye